You're listening to a podcast from the RSA. You can find out more about RSA events and projects and how to get involved with the fellowship by visiting our website, thersa.org. Good afternoon. Um, I'm Anthony Painter. I'm Director of the Action and Research Centre um, here at the RSA. I'm delighted to welcome you all to today's very special lunchtime debate. And I have to say the debate has started already in the green room before we get here. <laughs> so we'll hope it'll calm down a bit but then get going, get going again. Um, I think we're just going to leave in here. It's a very quick introduction of our guests, but maybe very little introduction indeed. I've got on my right here Ben Page, who's Chief Executive of Ipsos uh, Mori, and they've just released their, their latest but not their final poll on the EU referendum. We've got uh, Marianne Seacart, uh, writer, journalist, BBC broadcaster, and chair of the Social Market um, Foundation. We've got Chris Giles, um, who's economics editor at the FT, and Claire Fox, um, who's director of the Institute of Ideas. They're all going to do short presentations from a variety of perspectives. Um, ben on, on social and political attitudes, uh, Marianne on politics, Chris on economics, and Claire, culture, identity, sovereignty, democracy. Over to Ben. Thank you. Um, and if you want the slides, it's uh, ben.page at ipsos.com. So I'll just nip through them. I think the first thing is just that people don't really care very much about the European Union in Britain. Um, every month since the early 1970s, We've asked people, without any prompting, just to tell us what the biggest problem facing the country is. And for much of the last decade, about one person in 20 was sort of gnashing at the teeth and saying the European Union was a big issue and it upset them. Uh, More recently, of course, concern about it has risen, or mentions of it as an issue have risen. But it's still, uh, in our last survey in May, only at 30%, which is about the same at the end of the last century. So it's not anywhere near some of the other issues. The other thing is that opinion, we've tr- if you look at this question, which we've tracked since the 70s, opinion's quite volatile. So after we last agreed to join the European Union in 1975, by 1980, two-thirds of us wanted to leave. Mrs Thatcher went to Paris, got a rebate, and by the end of the 1980s, we were quite happy and wanted to stay. So we're very pragmatic, um, we're not emotional, we haven't been invaded recently, unlike the French and the Germans. Um, In terms of what happens next, our poll this morning, of course, has a small lead for leave. And I think it's just worth saying that, you know, one question is whether it's going to be like the Scottish referendum. That had um, remained well ahead for most of the campaign. Then in the final final week or so of the campaign, the polls closed. Some of the private polling we did had leave at 54% the week before the actual vote And, of course, then the actual vote, 55% for Remain, 45% for Leave. So, um, you know, we need to be very careful about looking at past events as a guide to future events, uh, which is always a temptation for anybody, including pollsters. But, you know, I was just doing it there. Um, One of the challenges in terms of working out what happens for us as pollsters is who is actually going to bother voting next week. Because there are a lot more young people in Britain than old people. Um, 3.4 million people over under 35 than over 65, but they just tend not to vote. So, you know, there's the population sizes, 14.2 versus 11.1, and they're about 29% of the population compared to 22% of the over 65s. But amongst voters, you get this big effect because of the turnout differences that we're still expecting. Old people's vote counts much more. So if you're campaigning and interested in campaigning, do not bother with youth clubs. Go to old people's homes. (laughs) So the latest figures show that the population is split right down the middle, uh, 51-49. But then when we look at those who we think are actually going to vote, uh, Leave has it 53% to 47%. Now, obviously, things can change. Polls don't predict. 
uh, pollsters sometimes do, but that is what people were saying uh, yesterday. And then, of course, the change has been a swing towards leave uh, from 43% to 53% uh, in the last month, and that's because basically leave are having a much more effective campaign. We can argue about whether it's truthful and honest. Um, I don't know what Claire thinks about that, but certainly it's more effective. Um, at the moment, there's still one person in five, 20%, uh, who say they might change their mind, and a certain proportion of people decide in the polling booth. Uh, this is difficult for pollsters, uh, because we're not there with them, and um, I don't know what sort of exit polls are going to take place. But there's, it's also true, if you really want to get into it, that many of the don't-knows or may-change minds ultimately don't get to the polling booth ever. But nevertheless, um, there, are still some, you know, there is hope for both sides in those figures. The key issue, I think, in terms of what's happened in the last month is that immigration is now seen as the top issue that people are using to determine their votes. A month ago, it was the economy. So, as you'll see, the arguments about millions of Turks coming to these shores, um, the arguments about the £350 million a week have mostly gone leaves way. Um, who's telling the truth? Well, actually, nobody. Uh, so 46% say that politicians from the Leave campaign are mostly telling lies. 47%, no statistical difference, say politicians from the Remain campaign are mostly telling lies. So uh, the political classes aren't exactly covering themselves in glory on this one. Um, but what do we believe? 48% uh, think we would be made to pay billions of pounds in bailouts for Greece or other countries if we stayed in. 45% think Turkey would be fast-tracked into the U European Union and they'd have free right of movement to the UK. Uh, and even split on that. Um, and one in three in ten are happy to believe that there will be more sex attacks on women by migrants if we, join, if we, if we, if we, stay, if we vote Remain next week. Um, some of the other arguments about leaving... Peace and stability on the continent would put at risk. Well, 59% disagree with that. Uh, and 70% disagree with George Osborne's proposition that four, everybody will lose £4,300 a year um, if we vote to leave. So he ha that, that, that argument has not worked, uh, quite frankly. Chris will tell us whether it's true or not in a minute. Um, the £350 million a week claim, 78% say they've heard of it. Do you think the claim is true or false? 47% believe it's true. Now, of course, it's a gross figure, so the gross figure is true. It's just that the net figure is slightly different. Uh, but it's certainly resonated. Um, one of the things that we've done in this campaign, then, very quickly, is also to try and look not just at what people tell us in surveys, but how quickly they reach a conclusion in terms of answering individual questions. And we thought this was interesting because it might give us an extra dimension. So what we've done here is look at, on the bottom axis, how quickly people agree with a proposition, and then on the vertical, sorry, how much they agree with an individual proposition, and on the vertical axis, how quickly they were able to give that answer. Leave are very clear that leaving will be good for the economy. Remain are very clear that remaining will be good for the economy. And there is no difference in terms of how quickly they answer that question. But when it comes to free trade, there is a difference. So Remain voters are very clear that we're better for trade if we stay, and they answer that question quite quickly. Leave voters are less sure about whether we're going to be Albania, Macau, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Norway, or some other arrangement. And they're also less confident um, when they do say that it's going to be better if we leave, which perhaps gives some arguments that the Remain camp may wish to focus on and leave to avoid. Will it affect their standard of living? Well, basically, the answer is no. Um, Remain voters uh, sort of tend to think they'll be better off, but they're not completely sure. And Leave voters think they'll be better off if we leave, but again, they're not completely sure. But this, this general argument about what's going to happen to you individually, uh, certainly at least in this survey, hadn't cut through. 
finally, when I do issue my final poll at about um, 9 o'clock in the morning on the 23rd, having polled until the night before, do remember some of the challenges I face. First of all, trying to get hold of a normal group of voters within 24 hours on the phone or on an, or on an internet panel. It's getting harder. Um, and that makes finding out the ones that actually vote uh, more difficult. The main challenge we face, which was why we overstated leave in the final Scottish poll, we were most accurate, but we were at 47 rather than 45. We had too many young, nice people telling us they were definitely voting tomorrow. Well, it only takes two or three in a sample of 100 to lead to that result. And there is a tendency that the, the people who are willing to take part in an interview of any kind will be, quote-unquote, more interested in politics uh, you know, more likely to say that they're going to vote. If you really don't give a shit, you probably won't take part in opinion polls either, um, particularly over a very short time period. Some of the surveys we do where we park outside your house and wait for you to come home are harder to avoid. We genuinely still do that, but uh, not with these sorts of fast turnaround surveys. So that's the challenge we face, and we'll be on the record, right or wrong, next week. Um, so what's going to happen after the referendum? Very quickly, and this might give us some interesting clues. At the moment, more people believe... Um, that both will be better off and worse off if we leave. But overall, uh, the leaves in some ways haven't, you know, there's not too much to worry. 31% think we're better off if we leave. The figure for staying is only 18%. Now, there is also <coughs> anxiety, whatever we do, but it's interesting. There is no sort of sense of terror. So what is going to happen? I give you now the wisdom of crowds. Not how they're going to vote themselves, but what they think will actually happen next week. In February, 62% said we'd vote to stay in. It's now 47%. Leave is up to 38%, but still, the public is more likely to think, ultimately, next week, we'll stay in. The end. Thank you. Ben, just one quick question, moving beyond the data uh, a little. Do you have a sense um, of why the Leave messages seem to be having more cut-through? I mean, the Remain seems just as relentless in this messaging, yeah. but... Leave is well, one, through. one thing is that immigration is by far the biggest spontaneous anxiety in this country. And so focusing on that is a strong point, that, those arguments. And the difficulty with the economy is that other, other polling that we've done shows that people aren't <coughs> connecting these mac the macroeconomic arguments that the Bank of England and others are making about the economy yeah. with their own personal economy. And even George Osborne saying that you'll be worse off by £4,300. They, basically, they find it very, there's very large numbers, it's very contested, it just doesn't seem to quite work that way. But, you know, maybe we'll, uh, you'd have to reach a final judgment about whether or not that worked yes. on, on, on June the 24th. Do you think his um, so-called blackmail or punishment budget yesterday may affect that? That people actually think, blimey, my income tax is going to go up by 2p in the pound and I have to pay more for my booze. Well, I, does it bring I, it down to I the personal it's level? it's just more politicians rowing about large numbers. Right. Okay. Um, that's the difficulty. So, Marianne, where does this leave our politics, our politicians, after the dust has settled, if indeed the dust ever does settle? Gosh, well, I mean, it's pretty much as hard to predict as, as the economics, actually, because I've never known a, a period of such political uncertainty, unpredictability and mayhem. Yes. Um, I'm going to look back a little bit first on, about the campaign and, and then look forward to after next Thursday. Um, I think after the Scottish poll... What David Cameron and the Remain side thought was actually negative campaigning worked. Mm. Now, you know, we always say we don't want negative campaigning. Um, you know, we'd rather have something positive. And, of course, the yes side in Scotland had a very positive vision. You know, hooray, it's patriotic. We're going to be independent. We're going to have a fabulous time. We won't be told what to do by Westminster. 
rah, 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 let's vote yes. And it didn't actually work because in the end, despite the blip in the polls that Ben um, explained earlier, uh, people thought, geez, it's just too uncertain, it's too scary. And so that was the basis on which Remain started what's now been known as Project Fear. And of course, it's much harder to generate enthusiasm for remaining in the EU than for becoming an independent Scotland. You know, we're not going to be going around waving EU flags and saying, um, won't the future be marvellous if we remain in the EU? Um, but while Project Fear may have scared people a little, what it has actually done is increase the distrust of politicians, that sense of sort of mistrust of politicians. All they're trying to do is scare us, blackmail us, probably tell us lies, which paradoxically, of course, has helped the Leave camp because the Leave are pre presenting themselves as anti-politicians. So of course, most of them are politicians themselves and part of the political and maybe even liberal elite. Um, and even though the Leave side have used fear themselves um, in their campaign, you know, the notion of Turkey joining tomorrow um, if we remain in the EU, which, <laughs> I mean, we've got a veto on it for a start. The UK has a veto on it, and there's no way France would allow Turkey to join. Uh, nonetheless, you know, they have, so of course, they have used fear, but actually their main message has been quite a positive one, which is, look how much more money we'd have to spend if we left the EU. We could spend all this money seven times over on the NHS and on abolishing VAT on fuel and God knows what else. Um, even though the figure, as Ben mentioned, has been shown to be factually wrong, and I'm not being biased or taking sides in saying this. I mean, it's just wrong that we won't have, we won't have £350 million a week to spend. Nonetheless, it is a positive message, and it is astonishing that, uh, what was it, yeah, 47% of voters in today's um, Ipsos Mori poll believe that, that we'll have £350 million a week more to spend, and only 39% don't believe it. Um, so that has resonated, as well as the immigration thing. Um, and the immigration message from Leave is also quite a positive one. It's, you know, yes, of course, they're using the fear of Turks and Albanians and God knows who else um, coming to our shores. But they're saying we'll be able to do something about it if we leave. Now, I do wonder, though, whether the increase in the polls for Leave, and I'd like Ben to talk about this later in our conversation, whether the increase is partly a question of shy Leavers starting to admit they're going to vote Leave. Now, you may remember that at the last election... There were, and in pre lots of previous elections, there have been shy Tories who sort of feel a bit embarrassed to admit they're going to vote Tory, don't necessarily tell pollsters, and then when it comes to the day, they vote Tory. And I think that in, certainly in cities, much less so in rural areas, there's been this sense that it's a bit embarrassing to admit that you're on Nigel Farage's side, and therefore you might not admit that to pollsters, and maybe now people think it's okay to admit it. Equally, I think there may be quite a sense of people who had been tempted to vote leave but had thought it was somehow not legitimate and are now thinking, well, actually, if that's the way the rest of the country is going, it's okay. And that would be a genuine shift in the polls towards leave. I'd, I'd be interested to know what you think about that. Um, also, on your turnout theory, it's certainly true that older people, though there are fewer of them, are more likely to turn out and there will probably be more older people voting than younger people on Thursday. Equally, ABC1s are more likely to turn out than C2Ds and Es, and they tend to be more likely to remain. So I wonder whether that's likely to come out in the wash. Um, what else might go remain side? Well, the one weapon they've barely used so far, which I suspect they've been saving for the last week, is do you really want to break this country up? 
And that was something that they used in the last week of the general election campaign, this notion that Ed Miliband would be in Nicola Sturgeon's pocket and that she would demand another vote on Scottish independence as a price for supporting a Labour government. Um, I think it's quite a powerful weapon. Now, you may well say, well, there isn't a majority for yes in Scotland at the moment. Um, but nonetheless, this sense that, you know, actually a lot more is at stake. People think the EU isn't really important to you, but actually our entire country might disappear if you vote leave. And, of course, the second thing is just fear when it comes to the ballot box, that I suspect that quite a few people who think at the moment they're going to vote leave will go into the ballot box and think, oh, do I really dare do this? It's actually quite a risk. Uh, there is usually a move back towards the status quo um, in the last few days, last week or so of a referendum campaign. We haven't seen it yet, but I suspect it may come. Uh, briefly afterwards... Um, political mayhem, whatever happens, but even worse if it's leave. Um, even if Remain win, there has been immense damage to the Tory party. I mean, Boris Johnson has called David Cameron demented. Uh, he's been accused of lying by both Johnson and his former friend Michael Gove. Uh, there's no way George Osborne, Osborne can now take over as Tory leader, even if Cameron wins, I suspect. And Tory members who are a majority in favour of Brexit, if Remain wins, are quite likely to vent their frustration by electing uh, a sceptic as leader to take over from Cameron. Maybe Boris, I don't know. Um, if Leave wins, complete mayhem in the government, because then what? Uh, could George Osborne do his punishment budget? I just don't think so. I don't think his party would let him. Neither party leader will be safe. Of course, Cameron's going to have to go probably sooner rather than later. Labour, though, and particularly Corbyn, will be blamed for Brexit's win uh, because it will be mainly Labour voters um, who have, will have turned it at the margin. Um, I'd put my money on Theresa May, actually, as a, as, as a unity candidate. Um, but, if Labour, but, 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 but if Remain loses, um, Labour might find they lose their votes like they did after the referendum in Scotland, that a lot of Labour voters moved to UKIP. Um, but one thing I can be certain of, if Leave wins... A lot of people who voted leave are going to be mightily disappointed because they're not going to get what they think they're going to get. <laughs> Immigration is not going to be controlled. Does the same apply to Remain voters? Are they going to be mightily disappointed as well if Remain well, wins? I don't think they're being promised so much. All they're being told is it's very dangerous to leave, but they're not being told there's this great golden future awaiting us if we stay. It's just safer. And it will remain safer, I suspect. I mean, Claire may disagree with me. Chris, what's our economic future hold? OK, well, I'm going to talk about the economics. I'll, I could talk about the political economy later, maybe in discussion, but yeah. I'll just do the economics. And I'm sorry it's boring. There's been a lot of economics and people don't believe a word that anyone <laughs> in my profession <laughs> says. Um, so I, I apologise for that in advance. Let me just first of all say, where is the economy right now? It is a bit of a weird state. Um, if you ask companies or consumers how confident, how optimistic they are, that's got a lot worse since the, since the Brexit referendum campaign has gone. Consumer confidence, business confidence, all has fallen quite considerably. If you look at the real data, that's also reflected in what companies are doing, but it's absolutely not reflected in what people are doing. So people are spending like bilio still. Uh, retail sales today came out, figures were very, very strong. So though they're saying they're nervous, they're not yet acting nervous, but companies say they're nervous and are acting 
nervous. How's the campaign gone? Well, there, was, there have been some good points from the economic perspective, I think, in the campaign. I mean, for one thing, economics is engaged. Economics as a, as a subject generally doesn't engage with current issues nearly enough, uh, but this time it has. It's been very clear. It's spoken pretty much with one voice, even though you might not have seen this, partly because of broadcasting balance rules and partly because of some of the other reporting in the press. But uh, the economics is very clear, thinks that leaving the EU would be a bad idea. The, really, the difference is, is how bad. And I think probably Christine Lagarde put, it, put the sort of, as a reporting exercise, what does the economics tell us? It tells us it's between pretty bad and very, very bad. And that is, that is what... Econo- it doesn't mean economics is right, but that is what economics is telling you. Uh, then um, there have been quite a lot of bad things, I think, in the campaign. Economics has just totally failed to get across what it's actually doing when it does these exercises. It is not forecasting what the economy or what people's prosperity will look like in 2030. It's not saying, it's not saying, like a doctor can't say whether you, you or you will be dead in 2030. It can't say what the economy will look like in 2030. But just like a doctor can say, if you smoke 20 fags a day, you're more likely to die, be dead in 2030 than you are, than if you don't smoke those. Economics can say, if you, if you have a worse trading environment with other countries, you're more likely to be less prosperous than you would otherwise have been. And that is where economics is quite powerful, and that's why the economics all comes out in one direction. Uh, It's been pretty much drowned out. I totally accept it's not got through, uh, and there's been some serious exaggeration by uh, particularly the the Chancellor uh, about what the economics of his own department has said. So coming to Ben's uh, said, what does the £4,300 figure Is that in any way true? Well, it's a perfectly reasonable expression of the scale of the GDP gap uh, per household between uh, a remain and a leave scenario in the very long term. It is not a a good expression. And and that's a a 6.2% GDP lower than it otherwise would be, still higher than today, but lower than it otherwise would be. What is that expressed as uh, numbers of pounds per per? per household, not per person, per household, because that is a bigger number than if you did it per person. Uh, so that was a bit naughty, no question about that. And then, But George Osborne has obviously exaggerated it by making it sound as if that's what you're going to lose tomorrow. And that was, I think, a, a mistake on his part. If you read the Treasury document, it doesn't say that it's at all. It makes it very clear what it was doing. It was a pretty good document. What happens if we remain and leave? Um, where economics is very bad is telling you what's going to happen in, even in the very short term. So while my doctor analogy, what it can tell you about the long term, I think is quite powerful, people saying it will cause a recession in the short term by the end of this year, I think is not very powerful at all because we know we're very, very, very bad at forecasting turning points. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, uh, there's a risk of that, of course, and we will not know, I don't think, until August or September whether... That's coming out with, uh, in a leave scenario, uh, whether that's happening or not. And we won't know whether we're in recession actually until January. So there's six months, I think, of nervousness before people could say, phew, it's OK, or, oh, God, it really is as bad as the former Chancellor, George Osborne, uh, said, because <laughs> there, there is no way he can be Chancellor if there's a leave vote. He has said uh, it is economically illiterate 
uh, to leave the EU, you cannot be Chancellor running a policy that you think is economically illiterate. I can't, just cannot see there's any possibility he would still be Chancellor uh, uh, by come the autumn. Uh, if we remain, I don't think there's going to be a sudden bounce. The equally, the short-term forecast that this would be great for the economy... Not true. The big problem in the UK economy... Sorry, release of tension, the, you know, the, at least it's not happening. There might be a little bit of that, yeah. but we just don't... There's not, the, the fact is that partly because households have been spending like crazy, they haven't been, okay. they haven't been saving and getting, you know, putting on their tin hats yet. There isn't a lot of extra money there to, to suddenly yeah. release. But businesses have been deferring investment there, decisions. There have been. There, there is some of that, and we would expect some of that catch-up, but you know, you, you're not expecting a, a big bounce. You'd expect some catch-up, but the problem in the UK economy is productivity. Um, that is why we are angry and why we are feeling poor, and it's not a thing to do with the EU or not the EU. That's the big problem. It's a, and it's not only a UK problem. This is a global problem in advanced uh, economies, that is what needs to be solved in or out, and, uh, and uh, that's really not necessarily going to be solved either way. So I can see people being pretty disappointed in a Remain uh, scenario. Just, just to wrap up, I think it's, it's, a, it's a pivotal moment for economics. If that we vote to leave and economist warnings are wrong and it's all fine... That is a disaster for the profession. Let's be absolutely clear. It's going to suffer as well. (laughs) (laughs) If we leave and economist warnings are sort of correct, that's also not very good because there'll be no comfort in sorting out a mess and saying we told you so. Um, I'd recommend very highly Chris's um, op-ed in the FT this morning about future economy and economics. But just a practical question, Chris. If it's leave, what happens next Friday? What, 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 what is the Bank of England going to do? What is HM Treasury going to do? What are the immediate responses okay. and how do they play out? So my expectation next Friday is that it would be exactly the same as what we'd expected if Scotland had left. And we sort of know that because they have sort of said what they would have done. So we will, the Bank of England will wait. So the Bank of England is already stuffing money into, into banks. So don't worry, don't take your money out of cash points. There will be, there, you know, this isn't the financial crisis. Let's not spark a crisis in this, this is, today. There, there isn't, there isn't, this isn't the financial crisis. We have learnt those sorts of lessons. Uh, what will happen is the Bank of England will wait till the gov- there is a statement from Downing Street after the result is known. There will be some statement by Cameron. And then Mark Carney will do a... He will look down the camera and do a soundbite, no questions, saying along the lines of, we will do whatever it takes to ensure there isn't a, uh, this, this isn't a crisis. He might also say, which is also true, that uh, doing whatever it takes doesn't mean there'll be no bad uh, reperc- repercussions from the vote. Because, let's face it, interest rates are 0.5% now, in the financial crisis, they started off at 5.5% and they were cut to 0.5%, and that didn't stop the economy falling 6.2% mm-hmm. in six months. They, cannot, they haven't got the firepower they had then, and we're too late. So it's, it's, it's an event because it operates with a lag, so any policy operates with a lag. If there is a panic and people draw in and do stop spending because of a leave vote, there's precious little you can do. You can stop a financial crisis, and the Bank of England will do that. I'm entirely confident of that. But it can't, it doesn't have the firepower to stop a recession if that's the, the reaction of the, of the population of this country. Great. 
Thank you very much for that, and we'll come back to this discussion. Claire, over to you. Um, so I think that whatever happens on the 23rd of June, uh, British politics is going to be fractured. It's brought to the fore a range of um, issues that can't be just solved. I don't Anyone who thinks that, oh, well, you know, few Remain has happened, now we can all go back, I think that's wrong. I think that if there's a Remain vote, there's going to be a bloodbath in all sorts of parties because it's... It, it, the bitterness and the and the and the kind of degree of, of of rupture in traditional politics is is you know pretty deep. So even if there's a remain, that won't mean everything can kind of like be uh, just go back to normal. I think the EU has lost a huge amount of moral authority in this process because if you think about it, the people who are arguing to remain can only do so by scaring us into staying. This does not bode well for a popular endorsement of the European Union. You know, if we leave, Armageddon will occur, would suggest that you haven't got a positive thing to say about why we should stay. So there's a kind of uh, emperor's got no clothes on the European dream question. And actually, increasingly, more and more people are talking about what is Europe and the EU. And they actually do, you know, quite a lot of people I know sort of saying, God... You've always been a bit sceptical about the EU, and it's much worse than you ever said. And they're people who are going to vote Remain. I mean, you know, they've suddenly gone, oh, I didn't know it was so anti-democratic, did you? And I go, yes, that's what I've been saying. Um, right, so and the other thing is, is that it's been pretty bad for politics in some ways. I, I, felt, I feel as though, um, just let's put it this way, right? Cameron, who's been a long-standing Eurosceptic, is now the leading voice, voice of Remain. Uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who has been, you know, in all my time involved in left-wing politics, been completely hostile to the EU, might be not the leading voice of Remain, but heads a party that says, yeah, we go for Remain. Boris Johnson, who I've always known as a bit of a Europhile, is a leading voice on the other side. Uh, Theresa May has just been a coward. Uh, so she stayed in Remain, but she's been quiet. So she might be the peace person, but she's also the you haven't got a principled person. In general, this would suggest that our political elite are acting in bad faith. I don't think that's positive for democratic uh, uh, decision-making, you know, for, for the way we view things. And it, an interesting thing that has occurred, and, and one aspect of that, by the way, is the technocratic way that the debate has occurred. So this sort of, like, show me the facts, you show me your facts, whose facts win, I think has been a substitute for clear and principled arguments on both sides, let me tell you. But it's also true that a lot of the Remainers' kind of astonishment that we don't go along with the experts, that kind of like, I can't believe that the experts have told you and you won't believe them, said in that tone, is one of the reasons why the Brexit vote is going up. Because people just think, excuse me, this is about what we want our future to be, not about what the uh, technocratic experts tell us. The one thing I would say is that in terms of identity, because I was asked to also talk about identity as well as democracy, how you are going to vote on the 23rd has become a moral signifier. Because despite this sort of, like, remain, can't believe that, we, that, that those of us of Brexit don't get the facts and, you know, we're obviously financially illiterate and so on, actually, everybody is using this vote as a moral signifier. I mean, basically, if you're remain, you are obviously a cosmopolitan, enlightened, educated type. Right. Uh, uh, if you are Brexit, you are an ignorant, 
uh, uh, backward, uh, 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 you know, attack. We don't have I a mean, degree. The number of people who don't have a degree, as I wrote in. Uh, 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 anyway, um, and the thing, the thing, no, but that's that's become a big thing. You know, we went out to a town and we discovered the people with degrees, or the, and everybody else, as though having a degree, by the way, makes you enlightened. Anyone been on a university campus these days? You are kidding me, right? Um, the thing about it is, so just as a moral signifier, can I just say that this is really, really contemptuous of the democratic process, right? We, the demos, do not have a situation whereby, in order to have a vote, you have to have a degree, pass polytoin B's financial literacy test, or generally kind of like sit around sipping the right kind of wine, right? We believe that everyone is equal under the law to vote, and we trust the voters. That's what we say, right? So you cannot go around going, what is wrong with these people? Why are they doing this? In that tone, especially when actually those of us who are for Brexit are believers, many of us, in popular sovereignty, self-rule. Our precise point is, is that the EU denies the voting demos of every national uh, country in the Europe the right to command their destiny. That's what it's all about. Now, earlier Ben was saying to me, I just don't know what you mean. And I said, that's your problem. You don't know what I mean. <laughs> but quite a lot of people do know what I mean. And quite a lot of people do think that when people say, well, we can't... No, this is the other thing. Like the left have completely let themselves down here. There's a Tony Ben tradition, which I, which I stand on on this question, which is to be the progressive, pro-working class, uh, pro-self-determination is anti-EU bureaucrat, and that workers don't need to be beholden to the crumbs of the EU bureaucrats in order to survive. And we have a left, you know, Paul Mason, Owen Jones, Corbyn, John McDonald, who basically just said, we hate the EU, but what can we do? And if we leave, we might be on the same side as Farage, and we'd rather be with Osborne and, and so on. And anyway, we have to have the EU bureaucrats because they guarantee workers' rights. If we believe that ordinary people's rights are dependent on those people in Brussels who we have no democratic control over, then we're effectively saying, give up on democracy, we should have a, a benign authoritarian uh, dictatorship. Let's be honest about it. I'm on the side of the demos and democracy. And I think that... It doesn't, that's not a question of what you think about it. The tone in which this has been conducted, which has been that you treat people who are thinking of Brexit with contempt, has consolidated the gap between the metropolitan elite and the bien-pensant and the mass of people in this country. And I think that is a disaster because we should respect each other, whichever side we are going to vote on the 23rd. And by the way, I'm for open borders and full immigration. But I happen to believe that I have never won that argument with the mass of my fellow citizens. And I can't cheat by going, I don't care, I'm convinced you, because the EU have told me we've got to have it. I want open borders because I've won the argument with my fellow citizens, and then I will want immigration from all around the world, not just from Europe. So get your tone right, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> Can I just ask Claire, are, are, yeah. are Boris Johnson and Michael Gove not part of the Metropolitan Elite? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But they, do you know what? They have not, as it goes, spoken down to people with the sneer which has been demonstrably uh, part of the Remain campaign. So, yes, so am I. I don't mean that. I mean, I mean, understand what... economists. <laughs> no, I mean, understand what democracy is. 
democracy is asking people to decide on their future, and the democracy is not about saying that everyone who's on the other side of you is an ignorant oik. And that's, I've, got, I've collected, I've got a file. I tear out of newspapers. <laughs> I've got loads of examples. But Claire, don't you, don't you think that, so take the £350 million figure, that is just factually wrong. Yeah. People are going to be very disappointed when, when actually the public finances probably yeah. move against the, the new Leave government rather than if we, if we have a Leave yeah. vote. Uh, yeah. The Leave campaign have used that because they think their own voters are stupid and lo- want yeah. to hear that. <laughs> um, that's why I have kept studiously kept away from the official vote Leave campaigns, right, with which I am outraged and irritated and have made it clear and written about, right? But that doesn't mean to say that I'm going to vote, you know... No, 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 no I'm not, no, I'm not no, asking no, to no, change no, your vote. No, 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 I know, but I'm, no, but I'm just... The Leave campaign the Leave exactly camp- the same. No, I know, and a lot of the Leave campaign... I, I, I'm hate both sides in the official campaign. <laughs> However, I think they've been less contemptuous in general. On your 350... The thing that I would say to you is, you know, like it's a moral signifier. I do not believe, you see, that people are voting because of that figure. They are voting as a symbolic moral signifier. Just like the moral signifier of the Beyond Pensant, we are yeah. European. Yeah. I think people are saying, take back control, take back our money. And if you say it's not the right figure, they go, you know what we mean. Yeah. They're not being bought mm-hmm. off because they think, oh, I'll have a bit more pounds in my pocket. I think there is a tendency in all this to see the campaigns as instrumental, whereas in reality they, yeah. they, they very, very rarely are in, in, in particular. But a broader question very quickly, Claire. I mean, this whole campaign seems to have signified a, a sundering of the relationship between people and elite and experts um, and you know, the model of representative democracy that relies on that and rational policy making and so on. So what are the consequences of that? Where does this go? Where does this take us? Uh, just, just worth bearing in mind that completely beyond this discussion that I've actually been quite critical of uh, the sort of technocratic direction of politics for some time and the uh, tendency to what people call evidence-based policy, which is to kind of wave a PhD at you and a few stats and graphs and say, this shows us what to do. I happen to think that even when you know the evidence, you have to use your judgment, interpret it, and then actually take some principled political uh, decisions. And so I don't know that if you say that because people don't believe the experts, it means that we're all... all, We've gone into some kind of irrational passion fueled no, that wasn't my implication. No, no, no but that, that, that's been what people have said. Because it was interesting that you used the example of smoking, which of course is entirely um, right when you said about the uh, uh, you know, forecast. And, uh, but if you look at the whole public health world, you know, smoking, you're pretty sure that your forecasts work. But when you get a public health lobby that's trying to ban e cigarettes, or actually trying to uh, tell you that the evidence shows that women shouldn't have a drink during pregnancy, when we all know that's not true, if you actually look at the evidence, by the way, I can tell you that. All um, experts are not to be trusted, and that people are right to be sceptical, and there's been a lot of crying wolf over the years. I I totally agree that experts should be challenged on their arguments and on your drinking through pregnancy. That's exactly what you should do. What's happened in economics in this campaign is that no one from the Leave side has ever challenged the economics on the arguments. It's always been ad hominem attacks, Wrong then, wrong now, even if they weren't wrong. Tre- the Treasury was... Re- the, in fact, the lead official on the five tests, whether we joined 
the, of the euro or not, when the Treasury said we shouldn't join the euro, was the same lead official, the same person who wrote the Treasury, who led this report saying you're worse off in the EU. Okay. So, so you know, it's the ad hominem attacks, I think, has been a really unpleasant part of this. Uh, this okay, campaign. well, I'm, I'm going to make a forecast of my own now, and I'm going to forecast that when I put this out to the audience, a lot of hands are going to go up. <laughs> and we're going to take it in batches of three. So it's over to you guys. And there's a lady straight at the back there. Hello, good afternoon. My question is, whichever way the vote goes, how long do you think it will be afterwards before there is a call for another referendum because it was too close to call? Thank you. Uh, A question on the the trade with Europe, with the European Union, after a leave vote, if that's what happens. Will we be clobbered by the European Union? Will we be frustrated from trading with them? Will our trade go down terribly as a result of a leave vote? Okay, great, thank you. Um, Research from the University of Loughborough shows that um, in terms of media coverage, both press and broadcasting, the top six figures are all right-wing men, um, Nigel Farage and five Tories, then Jeremy Corbyn creeps in, then more conservative men. I think Pretty Patel, somewhere in the 20s, is the top, is the top woman. Has that totally distorted the, the, the debate, just right-wing public schoolboys shouting at one another? I'm going to take Ben first on that question. Um, well, it was ever thus, surely. Uh, so I, I don't... I mean, I, I think it might have been, it would have been a different debate if it had been dominated by women rather than uh, public schoolboys. But, uh, you know, that's how it is. I mean, so so it's a hypothetical, really. Could I just answer on the Europe one? I I think there's a really interesting thing thing about Europe, because we're a European company. We're we're, we're headquartered in Paris, and we're in 87 countries. And so my view is that the the Europeans might need to pour encourage les autres, show how bad it is for a big economy to leave. The alternative view is actually that they want to keep their... Because we're a major trading partner, they want to keep everything going reasonably well, and they retreat to a core, a core smaller euro EU, and it's OK. No, I don't know the answer. OK. Um, briefly, I think on trade, we will definitely be punished if we leave, because all these, um, all these member states have big political parties that are stirring up trouble that are Eurosceptic and are populist. And the one thing they don't want to do is encourage those. And so they want to prove that it's actually a disaster if you try and leave the EU. They're terrified that other member states will, will leave if, if, if we leave and it, and it all goes fine for us, have much trade they have with us. Another referendum, we'll be so fed up with it after this one. I mean, it has been pretty painful, hasn't it? I live in a divided household. My husband and I are voting in opposite ways. You know, it's, it's, it's not quite as traumatic as Scotland has been, but I don't think there's going to be a huge appetite for another referendum soon. I think 12 um, months. I think do you really? Yeah, well, yeah. If, if, Remain, if, if Remain wins narrowly, yeah, it'll be you know, within 12 months. Well, the least. politicians will be asking yeah. for it, but I don't think there'll oh, be much popular support for it, is Probably, what I'm saying. Yeah. Right-wing men, yeah, God, it's been depressing. <laughs> and, you know, when you do hear someone like Gisela Stewart or, or um, uh, Amber Rudd or Andrea Leadsom arguing, they're just, yeah. they're just so much more reasoned and conciliatory. And I do partly blame the broadcasters, though I do see that some, some women have been put up for the debates recently, which has been great. Okay, thank you. Chris. is uh, exactly right, I think, on the, what the reaction from Europe will be on trade. I just wanted to say that one technical thing which has really not come out is that just to go to WTO, World Trade Organization rules, is not as easy as just saying we're going to do it. 
because to trade under WTO rules, you need a schedule, a schedule of your tariffs, a schedule of your subsidies, agricultural subsidies in particular, and, uh, and we don't have one because we trade under the, under the EU schedule. To create a schedule ourselves means we have to agree with 162 other countries. All have a veto. That might not be easy. And what happens failing that? Failing that is unclear, it's unprecedented. When we had the head of the WTO into the FT recently, I was exactly the question I asked, what's the default? He was very reluctant to answer. He said, but probably the default is you carry on trading. You assume you've got a, a schedule. Uh, but then if someone takes a legal case against you, because we are still subject to foreign laws, WTO arbitration, not EU arbitration then, you will have a very weak case in a WTO arbitration court. Right, interesting, OK. Claire? Um, on the, whether there'll be another referendum, I mean, I've been, you know, it's been irritating in Scotland to sort of go, well, we lost 45, but, you know, we won really. Um, <laughs> that's been annoying. And I, and I believe in democracy, and I don't think that's the right thing to do. Um, so, it, it, so in that sense, you know, it should resolve it. But one of the things this assumes is that the EU is going to stay stable. You yeah. know, and what I can, yeah. one guarantee I can give you, right, not expertise, is I can tell you that the EU is an unstable entity and will get more unstable over the next five years. So what will happen is, is that if there's a Remain vote, is, is that people will go, God, I thought it was meant to be like the happy, harmonious Europe, and it's falling apart. So I don't think it'll be straightforward. And it's interesting because we went, I went to as a, a conference in Vienna recently, a kind of gathering of, of, of debate and uh, organisations in Vienna, European debate organisations, lots of young people you know, representing countries throughout Europe. And the, um, the other uh, UK participants, you know, kind of, you know, we sort of, sort of did that thing which I was saying before about tone, where they sort of say, you know, obviously there's this kind of mad thing happening in Britain where there's these, like, weird right-wing people trying to get us out of Europe, but we're all right because we're really European. And to their surprise, all these European youth were going, oh, take your chance. Do you know what I mean? It's a disaster because they were from places, like, with 50% unemployment. Huge skeptic, and they're all kind of, like, right-on lefty youth types, activists, and they absolutely hate the EU, and we're predicting all sorts of mayhem happening. So, but they're in the eurozone, which we're not. No, no, that's why they got fifty no, percent no, unemployment. No, I know that. I know that that, that that is also prejudice because some of them weren't in the eurozone. Some of them were actually arguing about democracy and saying how disgusting it was. And they were talking about immigration, migration, diktat from the EU, not just on eurozone questions, but on migration as well, and a real contempt for. Um, uh, 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 the people which they had picked up. So the British people who were there, the reason I'm saying this was sort of saying, was they said, oh, we didn't realise that there was a lot of people in Europe who were anti-EU, who were kind of young and so on. So I think that it's not so simple that Remain will happen. and I, it's, it's not whether I think there'll be a referendum. I just don't think it'll be settled. Too Thank much you. has been thrown in the air. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. I think we should take another bank of questions. Hello, um, a quick question for Ben. Um, uh, given all the uncertainties, um, how confident are you in your predictions? Are you able to quantify how likely you are to be right? Okay. That might go to Chris as well. A <laughs> uh, question to the panel. I've just returned from Gibraltar, and I've been on business quite a lot, and there's a situation over there. They're voting, the majority of people voting to stay in. Now, there's a worry there. If we vote to come out, Spain have 
really uh, got very upset and might well close the border there. So how do we stand in this situation if we vote to come out? Great. Thank you very much. And I think there's this gentleman here. Thank you. Richard Bernard Hall. Um, I, I, was, I think it's for Marianne Seekhardt, this one mostly. If um, there is a vote for leave, whether it's a majority of one or even 100,000, um, is Cameron obliged to give this Article 50 notice to the Commission? And when would he do that? Should there be, will there be, um, an act of the whole House of Parliament? Would the Lords actually go along with it? And the majority clearly against Brexit in the Parliament. Would actually such a vote ever succeed? So I'm going to take Ben and Chris first on this confidence okay. question. Well, I mean, we've done the survey as best we can. The polls don't tell you what's going to happen next week. They tell you what people said in an opinion poll this week. And the figures are subject to a margin of error. So one thing you have to know about opinion polls is that five times in 100, and we never know which five times in 100, the margin of error is much larger or larger than what you would normally expect. So that opinion poll, that 53% figure for, for leave that I cited, it could be as low as 50. It could be as high as 56. It is probability, the probability is that it's most likely that it's 53. And the 47 could be 50, or it could be 44. But again, it's most likely to be 47. So there is a, there is a tolerance in the data. Um, I think the fact that you're seeing all the polls showing that leave is ahead means that it's probably happening, but that does not necessarily guarantee that they're going to win next week. And I'm still very struck by what, well, my own experience in the Scottish referendum where we were doing polling at a, on a regular basis. But, you know, we can be, but we must also be very careful about inferring from past events. So let's wait and see. To be honest, it could go either way at the moment. I still have a, a personal hunch that Remain, that the Remain and the economy have more power than the, the polling might suggest, but let's wait and see. Uh, very quickly, I am reasonably confident in two things. One is that if we leave, the sterling will fall. I don't know how far it will fall. And that in the long term, the Britain would be worse off uh, than it would otherwise be if we leave. Uh, although that's uh, what I say long term. I do mean long, long term, so we'll never know the answer to that because everyone will have forgotten that by the, by the time we get there. In terms of what people will notice, whether we have a recession quickly or whether the short, whether there's a, something much worse in the, in the short term, I'm not confident in the slightest what will happen there. I think we just don't know. Right, great. Thank you, Chris. Claire, this Parliament versus the people question, could David Cameron ignore the will of the people ultimately? I think it was for me, actually. It was, but I'm going to ask it for Claire, and I'm going to come to you. majority enough. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's many a discussion going on now about how um, the, the will of the people can be subverted, some of which is happening in public. And obviously, historically, as we know, you know, like when the Irish voted no and they were told to go back and vote again until they got the right answer. I mean, it's a Bertolt Brecht, you know, a, a moment there of the kind of, like, sack the people type thing. So, but I think I actually... I, actually, I, I hope, however once the people have spoken, in either direction, but say it were one for Brexit, that, that despite people trying to do that, that actually things will be so fractured that there might be a, a chance of people sort of saying, right, this is what we've got now. We've now got to stand on our own two feet and deal with the will of the people and make it happen. So I... I because one of the things that I'm not sure about the economy again is, you, you, you absolutely rightly... I mean, my concern is 
I don't think that leaving the EU will solve the economic problems, but I do think there are serious economic problems in Britain that have been understated in this referendum, as though it's all fine and then we'll all collapse as soon as we leave. Whereas the bigger crisis is the stagnation and the productivity crisis that we have already. And I want to remove the alibi. But when I hear leading, uh, you know, like the Vice Chancellor is saying, we don't want to leap in the dark, we don't want to take any risks, then I just sort of think, what about all that rhetoric that we usually get about entrepreneurial risk-taking? We need to, you know, be forward-thinking and so on and so forth. It's, could it not be possible that we could suddenly, like, say, right, we're in charge of our own economy now, let's get on with it, maybe do something exciting? Okay, thank you, Claire. Um, Marianne. He said he's going to invoke Article 50 straight away. I think he'll just have to do what he says. And I think, and I think, I mean, there, there will be a lot of disquiet in Parliament, but for them to overturn the will of the people, I just think, you know, it would just be too serious. They can't in the end. Yeah. They'd love to, but I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Does that also apply to, um, just say, leave, leave one, and there was a, a Brexiteer Prime Minister, they would have to surely find a way of not having freedom of movement as part of whatever the final deal that is done with Europe is, because there seems to be a clear expression then that people want to have immigration from within the EU limited Well, that's in why some I say way. that people are bound to be disappointed one way or the other, because I don't think they'll get access to, to the single market <laughs> if they want to stop freedom of movement. Yeah. And if they want, so, I mean, either way, you're going to be disappointed. Either you won't get immigration controlled or, you, or trade will suffer terribly. Okay. Chris, what happens to... I mean, we've got interest in Gibraltar, of course. There are a whole series of um, British expats uh, across Europe. You know, how are they feeling about this in, this in this next week and what happens to them? Well, terribly uncertain because I think this throws everything up in the air. We don't know. Clearly, if you're not a, if, once we're not an uh, EU member, we don't have the ability to go to the European Court of Justice to stop Spain doing things like closing the border or whatever... Uh, thing they might want to do so we don't have those powers which are actually quite powerful, they might be anti-democratic but they're also powerful to stop countries doing things that you don't like because we're all operating under the same rules but I mean the bigger point there is there are so many laws where we have either the ECJ as the final arbiter or some other European body as a final arbiter, all of our competition law ultimately has the commission as a final arbiter which, have to, which will have to be rewritten that the bureaucratic process of doing that in this country, this isn't the reason not to, you, know, you, this, you could say this is a great thing, but we are going to have to have a lot more officials in this country just to be able to sort this out because it's not a quick job changing thousands and thousands of laws to so that we don't ultimately have to go to Europe to decide who's right and wrong in international cases. Great. But then that does indicate... You know, the final arbiter of our laws is the uh, European Commission. Absolutely. And so that seems to me to be problematic. But it's also interesting because I would say we wouldn't necessarily tear up all those laws. The, the principal point is, I understand the bureaucratic point, but one of the things that somebody said to me was, oh, my God, we leave Europe, all the laws, all the regulations, everything goes, all the immigrants are kicked out. I mean, that is scaremongering. That isn't what's going to happen. And I actually genuinely do think that EU open borders policy is discriminatory and has a nasty degree of um, racism itself, right? I mean, I've been at pro-EU immigration debates where they have said, Fortress Europe stands, we must not let anyone in past our borders for the migration policy. So I think that we can have a migration policy which will actually be fairer and more... We'll decide it, and also can mean that people from Africa and Asia will not be barred by EU rules. 
Okay. Uh, which is very important, Jacob. So, so it sounds like it's going to be a good time to be a, a British rather than a Brussels bureaucrat if we, if we vote leave. Um, I'm going to finish with um, two questions, um, just a bit of fun, one, one for the panel and one for the audience, two different questions. Very quickly, the panel. Um, will David Cameron and George Osborne still be Prime Minister and Chancellor at the end of 2016? Ben? Uh, probably not. Marianne? Uh, I think... Cameron will probably be Prime Minister. I'm not sure Osborne will be Chancellor. Interesting. Chris? I think it depends entirely on the result. I think there's no chance if there's a lead vote. And if there's a Remain vote, I think Osborne will stay. I'm not sure about Cameron. Interesting. Interesting. Claire? If they cling on, their reputations and their political careers are finished. And Osborne shot himself in the foot and it's over. Okay. So, for the audience, now, we're going to do a mini-version of Ben's Wisdom of Crowds here. So I'm not going to ask you what you are going to vote. I'm going to ask you which way you think it's going to go. Uh, I want you to put to one side everything you've heard so far and just go with your instinct on this. Uh, And I'm going to take it in the order of remain, then leave. So, first of all, who believes next week we're going to vote to remain in the EU? (laughs) <laughs> Metropolitan London. <laughs> <laughs> Including a vote leave at the front here. There's a vote leave badge who thinks we're going to remain. Actually, a lot of vote leave don't expect to win. No, I don't, I don't expect yeah. to win. And then who thinks we're going to vote to leave? Okay. A reasonable, reasonable number, but clearly the vast majority think we're going to remain in the EU. Thank you so much for our panel. That was a great debate. Ben, Marianne, Chris, and Claire. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not download our free app to access video and audio files on the go? Just visit our website, thersa.org, and follow the links to the RSA Vision mobile app.